Welcome to For the Health of It, starring Dr. Jenny Brooke, vitality expert and wellness chiropractor at Spinal Corrective Center in Amherst, New Hampshire. She is joined by producer Mike Clark. This dynamic, sometimes crazy, sometimes funny, and always entertaining duo will inspire you to eat, move, sleep, think, and live better. You're listening to Raw Talk about full potential living for the health of it. Hey, Mike. Hey, Jenny. It's time. It is time. Your, uh, for what? Your favorite se- type of segment. Oh, I know what that is. What? In the news. <laughs> <laughs> well, to make it more exciting, what I did today was I brought in a guest co-host, one of my favorite people, Dr. Margaret Miklas, naturopathic hello. physician. You Say have hello. guests every show now. Hello, hello. I know, because it's so fun. No, you're afraid <laughs> to be alone with me. That's what it is. And <laughs> I don't blame you. This is true. But the reason I asked Dr. Miklas, hello, because there's a lot of Margaret. articles that have been around lately that I think really speak into her con- clinical practice. And I just was really interested to have her take, because what we do on these shows is I summarize a recent article that has been in the media, and then we just talk about what we think. It's freestyling. Freestyling. Yeah. Okay, I you love ready, it. You ready totally to jump love in? It. Let's, yes. Let's jump in. Okay, so this was just this week at Mercola.com. This article was actually written by Dr. Joseph Mercola, who I've heard speak many times. He's a great guy. We've talked about him on the show. He's talking about chronic f- fatigue syndrome and how it starts in the gut, which this is huge because most people who've been diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome, it's also known as myalgic encephalomyelitis. These are people who most commonly, they feel overwhelming exhaustion. It gets worse with any type of physical or mental energy expenditure, and then it does not get better with rest. So they may have to take two days to overcome even a little bit of activity. So most... um, doctors have told people with chronic fatigue that it's actually just in their head. But recently, there's been research that's come out of Cornell University that has found biological markers in both microbes in the bloodstream and bacteria in the gut. Meaning, this is happening from problems in the gut, most specifically what we've referred to in the past shows as leaky gut. Ah, mm-hmm. I just hate that term. Leaky gut. Yeah, that just sounds messy to me. <laughs> well, and not only this study, but there's actually been other studies that have put correlations between changes in brain activity with chronic fatigue syndrome. So there's a couple different things what going on. What is chronic fatigue? I mean, is it just like you're like overtired? And you're yeah, like, like what yeah. I described. Like you basically have zero, zero energy. And there's other um, symptoms that go along with that. Like you'll find you know, pain in joints and clumsiness and excessive sweating and sore throat. There's kind of, that's why they call it a syndrome because it's a collection. But basically saying that leaky gut is a causative factor means, do do you remember what leaky gut is? Sure. We went went to this with Dr. Altabelli and the human microbiome. We've talked about it quite a few times. Yeah. So just to give you a picture. So leaky gut, if you think about what, what that is, it's triggered by these little gaps that happen between membrane cells that line the intestinal tract. So think of like a row of these little cells in the intestinal tract, and they develop these little tiny gaps. And the gaps allow material that's meant to just go into your intestines to leak through into the bloodstream. So materials like undigested food, bacteria, waste products can escape through these gaps into the bloodstream. And here's where it gets interesting. 
The research has been showing that gluten stimulates a molecule in your gut called zonulin, and it's a protein that triggers the opening of junctures between the cells in your gut lining. So gluten is one big reason for leaky gut. And, you know, you can heal and seal your gut by reducing inflammation or inflammatory response. So getting off foods that maybe your body is sensitive to. I'm sure that can cause all kinds of problems. Gluten's one of the most common. Yeah. Does this make any sense for you in your clinical practice? Do you see correlations like this with chronic fatigue? Oh, absolutely. And I would say I really look at chronic fatigue as a diagnosis as sort of like it's like that diagnosis that was given when everything else can't really be figured out. Right. It's a syndrome. It's not a disease. It's a syndrome. And so there's always... it's a blanket diagnosis. it is. And there's always a constellation of things that I would say that comes along with it that have to be addressed. And, you know, just because of how I feel about, you know, food in general and nutrition, in my opinion, you cannot address a chronic fatigue diagnosis, let's say, without addressing the GI tract and what the person's eating. It's That's just, huge. You have to. It goes hand in hand. I, I, I don't want to take anybody's money if they're not going to let me explore that aspect of it because truthfully, we're not going to have success. So if you're not going back and you're not looking at what this person's eating and what the problem is or how it's influencing it, and we could actually have a whole conversation about Ayurveda and how everything that you just said is actually proven in the classical texts about how sure. those models molecules actually get lodged into other parts parts of the body, which is referred to in Ayurveda as ama. Okay. Um, The truth of the matter is, is if you don't start tightening up that digestive fire, the agni, if you don't start tightening up the intestinal, you know, lining and actually getting it to not have those gaps, right? Um, the leaky gut's just going to continue and you're going to continue to have problems in that whole antibody response and the immune complex response that you have. So absolutely, in my opinion, 100%, a starting place for anybody that's diagnosed with chronic fatigue is to look at their GI tract. Well, and we have a show on the food intolerance test, the FIT test, that speaks into this. We have a show we've done together now on Ayurveda that speaks into this. And really, I would say a blanket answer for people without going through all of those processes to learn specifically about them. And the article states, avoiding gluten and wheat for many people can help, reducing the net carbs increasing fiber, which basically means more vegetables, seeds, and eating fermented foods are, yeah. are the, is the direction we need to be going if there's been a diagnosis of chronic fatigue. I think and, that those are all good considerations. I mean, I think the other piece that goes hand in hand with chronic fatigue is inflammation. And so anything that you can do to reduce inflammation, and as you know, Jenny, with doing the cleanses that you do, so many people, right, they take out all those inflammatory foods when they do a cleanse, and they feel a lot better, right? Do we know exactly which food is the biggest culprit? No, not necessarily. But what I tell my clients is, even if you don't have a food allergy to something, if you're eating something that has more of a tendency to be more inflammatory and you've got more inflammation in the body, you need to take that into consideration, even if you're not actually allergic. There's yeah. that food test we were it's talking the food about. Test. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So next article, this was actually in the Minneapolis Star Tribune, and this is about sleep in children. Okay. So interestingly- I love children when they're sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> Make them That's sleep as they, much as aren't they, they can. Aren't they beautiful? <laughs> yes. I, I actually got to so I got to glorious. watch my my niece's son. I was so excited. Two hours. She was going to go to a movie. Little seven week old. So excited. He slept the entire time. But I still got to look at him. Yeah. It yeah. was it was beautiful. Yeah. It's better when they're sleeping. Believe me. It is. 
<laughs> hey, we're mothers. We know. You know. <laughs> Seriously. Well, you know, I have teenagers now, and this article caught my eye because it talks about you know, lack of sleep will can really make children cranky and unhealthy. And, and the whole article was about what's the most current recommendations for how much a child needs to sleep. This was all by the American Academy of Pediatrics. So this is what it said. Infants age four months to one year old, they need between 12 and 16 hours of sleep. And this includes nap time. Right. Um, this was actually issued by the American Academy of Sleep Medicine. Children one to two years old need 11 to 14 hours of sleep. So a little bit less. Three to five-year-olds need 10 to 13 hours a day. Six to 12-year-olds, it's nine to 12 hours of sleep. This is in order to function well. Teenagers should sleep eight to 10 hours. But what was interesting is it talked about when, you, when they don't get enough sleep, obesity, depression, right. hypertension, all of that starts to happen. Um, and devices, surprise, surprise, such as smartphones, tablets, televisions, really are what contribute to lack of sleep. And I would agree with this. And really one of the healthiest things you can do for the children is to help them disconnect from their screens at night. Oh, good luck you with know, that. Removing it from the bedroom oh or Lord. turning really it off. Yeah. And, and ideally 30 minutes before bedtime. And I agree, I that sounds so fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and how do I enforce that with I, my 16-year-old? And I, I, yeah. see, I see this hard. for the high school kids because I work at a bunch of high schools. I, you know, they have to be to, to school so early in the morning. I know. Yes. And, if, and if they do like, I work with a lot of kids that do theater and music, so they're not out of the school till sometimes 9.30 at night, then they go home and do their homework after that. So I know they're not getting the amount of sleep they're no, supposed to be No, the, and then the weekend, they'll stay yeah. up till 2 a.m. and sleep till noon. Yeah. I mean, that makes me crazy. Yeah. And then they're eating, and they're eating pizza, and you know, it's just like, man, these, well, <laughs> these when kids it comes, are going to crash out here. When it comes to, here. to teenagers, may I suggest that, that we as adults try to give the best example you know because right. i think as adults we get into the same habit we go to bed too late we're on our phone right before we go to sleep or our tablet and having discussions about it like wow i felt different the last couple nights right. because i decided to put my phone a good three feet from me a half hour before i went to sleep and i read or do you ever I, wake up in the middle of the night look at your phone be honest with me. No, because I don't wake up in the middle of the night. Oh, um, I, do. I don't. I often don't wake up in the middle of the night, but I will tend to look at my phone to see the time because we use our mm -hmm. phones for the yeah. for the alarm. So I'll say, "Oh, what time is it?" And then, "Oh, I got a text." Yeah. So sure, yeah, I'm pretty I, good about put, getting off quickly. But yeah. yeah, you guys, not that I'm perfect or anything, but I put my phone <laughs> on airplane mode. I do too. Actually, before I go really? to bed, I do. Wow, because I don't want what the, happens I don't want if my stockbroker is trying to call me, <laughs> and I don't sell when I'm supposed to. Well, that's the biggest problem. Well, I guess my sleep's way more important. Let's do a test for a year and see if you become a, a, a wealthier man or or maybe a poorer <laughs> man for, for having done yeah. it. <laughs> well, something yeah. to think about, and you know, and just having the awareness that these. Um, do you have a chart there concerned. for a fi fifty-five to sixty-year-old man? How much am I supposed to sleep? Well, what would you say your emotional age is? Uh, 12. Okay. So the 12 year olds, I think, was it nine to 12 hours of sleep a night? There you go. That's a good one. I'm going to try to sleep more. There you go. I'm going to sleep more. Um, speaking of old man, the next article is from oh. the New York Times. <laughs> and it's called Flawed Study of Advanced Prostate Cancer Spreads False Alarm. Okay. Mm. I'm just going to summarize this article in my own language. So basically, there's this whole study done at, at Northwestern University, and it was all basically about how we've had more cases of advanced aggressive prostate cancer between 2004 I, and 2013. I saw that in the news yesterday. Oh, That's oh, weird that you're you, saying that. Okay, so what do you remember Like what you got from it as a listener? Um, they said uh, lack of screening. 
was one mm. of the causes. Yep. So senior author of the study, Dr. Yeah. Edward Schaefer, he's a prostate cancer oncologist and chairman of urology at Northwestern. And he said in an interview that he believes screening saved lives. So the whole research study was to say, is that true? So yeah, you're right. It was on Newsweek, NBC, CBS, Fox yeah, News, yeah, United so, Press. Yeah. And they basically said what you said. They said, because we haven't been screening, mm-hmm. cancer, these have just risen like crazy. So then the next day, an article article comes out in the New York Times. I wonder how many people saw this compared to how many people heard it on, on the TV or radio. It said that it's actually a flawed study. It's not true. I, yeah. I don't believe anything I hear. <laughs> the statistics the were wrong. There really is no correlation. They can't say what they said. But boom, it was all over. Isn't that do, interesting? Do you think they do a lot of unnecessary screening on people for yeah, illnesses? Yeah, I mean... It, you know, I think that I think that there. De- I mean, there definitely is overdue screen. I mean, we're yeah. in like the diagnostic mecca of I the know. universe. Yeah. So, I do. I it's it's. I think it's a hard one to land on. Um, I'm with sure that. that I'm sure. I mean, I have a client at my practice who currently has prostate cancer, and right. I mean, I've had many clients that have had prostate cancer, but I'm. You know, I'm a little bit concerned about the fact that there maybe there isn't more screening under the circumstances and there is a family history with him. I mean, I I just, you know, perhaps he's probably got to be like 49, 50. Oh, that's kind of young. Yeah. Yeah. There's a family history. And so they just, they want to take a watch and wait attitude with him. And, you know, I don't know, that feels a little bit maybe not so great uh, you know in my opinion but i you know you have to you have to take everything into consideration well where the debate right. comes in is that if there's too much screening it leads to unnecessary treatment of tumors that maybe never would have progressed right so that's where you have to weigh it but the article basically if it, it did not prove that less screening that's has not caused, a shocker has me, caused a higher incidence of cancer it's yeah. crazy that's not right. a shocker Okay, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, I'm going to talk a little bit about how it's really tough to be a teen and how we're seeing more anxiety and depression and what do we do about it in our adolescence. You're listening to Raw Talk about full potential living for the health of it. Your host is Dr. Jenny Brooke, vitality expert and wellness chiropractor at Spinal Corrective Center in Amherst, New Hampshire. If you're in the Southern New Hampshire area, you can schedule a health consultation and examination with Dr. Jenny. To schedule, call 673-5600. That's 673-5600. For more information about Spinal Corrective Center, go to www.spinalcorrectivecenter.com or call 673-5600. To find a chiropractor in your area, go to www.chiropractic.org slash doctorfinder. Now back to raw talk about full potential living for the health of it. I'm in the studio with producer Mike and Dr. Margaret Miklas, naturopathic doctor. We're doing an In the News segment. My and, favorite. And we're going to go back to Mercola because, you know, he's got some interesting things to say this week. You love this guy. You know, have I... Have you ever met him? I have. You have? I have a couple times. Wow. I have too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He sounds like... He, I mean, he's all the rage, huh? In the... You know, what I like about him is he's not... He's not sensationalistic. Right. Is that the word? Is that a word? Sensationalistic? It is now. You just I made that he, shit I up. I think he's like a myth buster. <laughs> he is. What he says is very grounded. He he really mm-hmm. can back up what he says. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't sensationalize things. He doesn't necessarily write to make it all flashy. It's right. it's just good stuff. Yeah, I think he wants to get the common knowledge out. He wants the knowledge, common knowledge to be out to the general public. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's great stuff. Well, he did. He wrote an article this past week that's called "Most Common Anxiety and Depression Drugs for Adolescents Are Ineffective." Whew. So we start off by talking about how being a teen is tough. You know, there's a lot going on, and anxiety and depression, you know, can really be a huge part of a teen's life and it's kind of understandable how parents really just want to make sure their kids are okay they turn to doctors and psychiatrists who oftentimes the first line of defense will prescribe medications to try to give a child relief um you know and this heavy promotion of drugs in our teens more and more research is showing it's not really working um Oxford University researchers recently um, analyzed 34 clinical trials. So they took all the information that's out there. So it involved more than 5,000 children between 9 and 18 who had depression. And the children took anywhere of one of 14 antidepressants for an average period of eight weeks. So, you know, this is a pretty substantial study. Mm -hmm. The majority of the antidepressants, 13 of the 14, did not work to relieve the symptoms of depression, according to this article. And the one that did, fluoxetine, which is Prozac, um, has been linked so much to problems like homicidal akathisia, which, you know, what is, what is akathisia? It's a, well, you already see those. It's motor restless, restlessness, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, yeah. like mm-hmm. anxiety, agitate, the jitteriness, right. like jumping out of your skin and you can't sleep. Um, that happens with Prozac. So <laughs> he really basically said, you know, there's gotta be a placebo effect happening here yeah i can tell you that this this article really mirrors the you know i have a lot of kids in my practice it's a family practice and i i'm trying to think right when you're saying this like who is really effectively on antidepressants as a child meaning it's it's making that much of an effect as a as you know an adolescent that life has gone back to normal and things are humming along nicely and i honestly cannot think of anybody right now well, and if you remember, so, Mike, it was all over re- the news for a while there that a lot of these antidepressants cause suicidal tendencies. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, so if you remember, see the ads for them, they, that's part of the... What they of say. course yeah. it is, is at the end of the ad. Yeah, Effexor like, is one of them. And so when you look at the advantages versus the disadvantages... I was feeling so great till I jumped off that bridge. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> it's not funny, but yeah, you're right. No, it isn't funny. Yeah. And, and I think what's hard is when a child is struggling emotionally or mentally, it's really hard to determine. Is it really a true illness? You know what illness, I think is the, or the is worst, an environmental factor? The worst, yeah. it, I, the worst problem I think it is for kids is the social media stuff, man. Oh my God. It's it, I think depressing. Facebook is so depressing it for really some is. people. Well, and if you add in an improper diet, if you add in emotional upset, not knowing how to effectively process emotions or talk about emotions, and then exposure to toxins. And then how about get these kids out of the school? Get them outside Outside. playing. Because Mm -hmm. so many of the kids, like I was talking to a family recently, like they go to school all day. They don't have any recess factored into their day. That's crazy. It'd be interesting kids to see yeah. if, to be outside. if kids in sports were less prone to depression than kids who I did no activity. I would sure. also like to say that it would be interesting to see that. It would also be interesting to see just looking at that gut-brain connection and seeing how yep. much. Because think of the foods. Like, we have a whole kids' food genre. You know what I mean? Like, there's the whole kids' food aisle where, like, this is the kids' food, right? It's what, all you have, that yeah. You have an it's issue with this. Hot Pockets, do you? <laughs> I have a big issue with Hot Pockets. Yes, I do. Can we talk about Dunkin' Donuts? (laughs) And Dunkin' Donuts. Well, I think here's the take-home thing is 
when you give a child or an adolescent a psychotropic drug, it affects their brain development. Yes. This is a sensitive time hormonally and developmentally for children and just prescribing a medication to deal with a symptom. I mean, you know, if we're talking about a severe depression, that may be a different thing than a mild mild to moderate. But taking the time to try to determine a cause, whether it's Mm -hmm. physical, chemical or emotional, is, is critical. You know, and that's why... I love naturopathy and it's why I love chiropractic. It's why I love emotional freedom technique. We're trying to get to the heart of the imbalance in the body. Well, and the scary thing too, Jenny, that we have to really think about that that we should be screaming and yelling this is that it's no longer like that the teenagers getting, you know, the antidepressants or anti-anxiety meds. It's really young kids like right. I have four-year-olds in my office. That's terrifying to me. Who've been given absolute depression, but their brains yes. just developing. Wow. I mean, that's funky. it's so the go-to. I think we aren't going until we we ha- we need to talk about this more. We need to have more dialogue about this and talk about the impact of pharmacy on youth, because it's this is what the go-to is. I mean, if you go to a conventional setting. You know, nine times out of 10, you will end up having a child be prescribed. It's just the reality. In my opinion, that's been my experience. You know, people are prescribing a lot of medication that I would say 20 years ago wouldn't even be a consideration. Well, here's where we can, again, validate that we're in alignment with what a lot of Dr. Mercola says. He ends the article with, try this before mind-altering drugs for depression or anxiety. Number one, exercise. We just mentioned number two, emotional freedom technique. We have a whole show dedicated to that with Becky. Yeah. Um, three, optimize your gut flora. There mm-hmm. you go. So it's all the things you guys. Yep. Four, yeah. omega, are we wicked smart? Omega three fats. Beyond belief, <laughs> you guys fats. are wicked smart. <laughs> Vitamin D, which again is getting them outside. Oh, absolutely. He says to lower your intake of sugar and processed foods. Mm-hmm. There you go. And then lastly, he says sleep. Sleep, which means getting off of your units, your smartphones, like we and were just saying. unplugging and shutting out and turning the lights off and no clocks, like go in the dark room. You know what I mean? You sleep. Well, having yeah. a teenager myself, I can see how it's hard when, when you know, okay, if you just did this and this and this, I know you would feel and function better, but they're starting to become adults. They're starting mm-hmm. to not right. want to take direction. They're starting right. to not want to just they do what be their you own say. Person. Yeah, yeah, and I think this is where there's a combination of setting a family example. Yes. And there's a combination of talking to your kids about why certain choices make sense instead of saying, you need to do this. Right. Mm-hmm. To say, hey, I was, I was thinking I'm about I was you reading to do this. this. Right. I yeah. think there's just talking to your teenager like you would an adult with, you know, what do you think about this? I read an article or I've been, I've been yeah. researching about how sleep and how about, you know, I, and getting totally them engaged. I totally agree with that. I think too many, and I see this a lot in the schools, a lot of the teachers are this way. They're very condescending to the kids. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I'm the adult. This is what, you know, they don't want to be barked at like that. You know, if you sit down and t- tell them and reason with them and you know, given examples as opposed to just telling them they have to do it. Well, that was my strategy raising my children. You know, even Mm -hmm. when they were very, very little, I explained, well, this is why we don't have this food. Like when they were six, they knew what what high fructose corn syrup and hydrolyzed mm-hmm. vegetable, pre- like they Absolutely. knew what those were and they could make those choices for themselves. Definitely. And, you know, that's really the only way to go about it. Um, and then are, are you willing to do the same thing right. yes. as yeah. an adult? Are you willing to get to bed? Are you willing to keep sugar out? Mm-hmm. Um, we can't expect more of them than we would of ourselves. Absolutely. True. We have to set a good example. So then as a follow-up article, 
Dr. McCullough also published something called Supplements Proven Beneficial for Depression. And what I found interesting, there was a lot of the same information, but he talked about how the simple serotonin theory has really been proven wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, if you look at why Prozac might work, it's because the body is not developing or creating enough serotonin which if you think of that as the happy hormone. But really, when you look at more published my research... My favorite club, going back, the happy hormone. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's a good night, it's not a good name for a nightclub, though. That's a pretty good one. <laughs> I, I might go. I might go. <laughs> well, especially because he does start off the article with 11% of the U.S. population over the age of 12 is on antidepressant medication. Wow. Oh, my God. Can you believe that? Wow. But he was saying how mm. it's not as simple as we don't have enough serotonin, give us more serotonin. Yeah. More research is talking about the mechanism behind that. Mm-hmm. And it's it's way more, there's way more layers to it than that simple statement. And how to really help our bodies get imbalanced is focusing on the nutrients we need, vitamin D, fish oil. Um, it's all about what we put bees. in it. Vitamin Bs too, oh, my I, God. I've been, I just started support. taking a, like a, yeah, a complex. Yeah, B12 especially. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God, like I have like B6. major energy during the day. And yeah, I mean, because like, I'm a new person. And so with stress, we're just going to like burn up all those water-soluble vitamins. We need to replenish them and we're yep. just not getting enough out of our food sources, yeah. you and, know, especially if we're eating Hot Pockets, Mike. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, and fermented foods, so probiotics and fermented mm-hmm. vegetables. Well, and the probiotics are going to generate bees, right, right, in the gut. Right. So, yeah, big nervous system support. So real food, avoiding GMOs, mm-hmm. eating food that our bodies know how to digest, plenty of high-quality omega-3 fats, yeah, all of that. Um, not too much salt intake, getting exercise. You know, isn't it interesting? Driving by the Dunkin' Donuts as opposed to stopping. <laughs> That's right. Getting <laughs> yeah. enough sleep. I mean, I feel like no matter what we're talking about, we come back to these same yeah, principles. Basic yeah. treatment guidelines. It really yeah. is. Basic treatment guidelines. Yeah. Really easy stuff. Nothing's complex no. when it comes down to making choices. It's really true. It really is. Mm-hmm. I tell you. Okay, so... There you go. What more do we have to say? We've we've discovered the secrets of the universe right there you here go. On for the health of it. <laughs> <laughs> Hooray! <laughs> Be well, everybody. You've been listening to Raw Talk about full potential living for the health of it. Your host was Dr. Jenny Brooke, vitality expert and wellness chiropractor at Spinal Corrective Center in Amherst, New Hampshire. If you live in the southern New Hampshire area, schedule a health checkup with Dr. Jenny at 673-5600. That's 673-5600. For more information about Spinal Corrective Center, call 673-5600 or check out www.spinalcorrectivecenter.com. You can also find Dr. Jenny on Facebook at Spinal Corrective Center. Thank you for listening to Raw Talk about full potential living for the health of it.